0: Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences.
1: On this week's episode, the talented voice behind my intros and outros, Tom Regan, joins us to explain what entertainment is like growing up in Australia. He discusses bullying, the schooling system, and culture. He also gives us some insight on Singapore, where we spent a few years at school and also working. He also breaks down some of his new adventures in radio and school. He also gives us some words of advice in his top five. Let's take a listen to this week's one-on-one. All right, Tom, how are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks, TJ. How are you?
1: I'm doing great as well. Tom, just let everybody know how we know each other.
0: How we know each other? Okay, TJ and I met in... Well, unofficially, we met when you were doing Solstice 02 with Celebrity as a director. And I was in a cast for Infinity 03 um, with -hmm. Celebrity. And we saw each other in passing there, but we actually didn't officially meet until... You landed in Australia, and I got on the solstice with you as install directors, and it was like love at first sight, wasn't it?
1: It really was. I remember seeing you outside and you being like, I have no idea what's, what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what door I'm supposed to be going in in Australia. And I was like, listen, I got it covered. We're going to be fine. We're going to be dandy. <laughs> and ever since that day, we've been like amazing friends. It's been
0: so yeah, amazing. Yeah, literally amazing friends. Like, that, I've never developed a bond stronger with someone like I did with you.
1: Yeah. It's been crazy and I loved I loved every second of it and we had fun times on solstice and we directed and did so much and it was it was a blast.
0: It was a blast. Um uh,
1: but leading up to all of that what uh before you even did all of that what was your childhood um getting into performing? What did you ah. do? Were you a singer, were you a dancer, were you an actor? What did you do?
0: to, per- to be perfectly honest, performing wasn't on my radar as a child I I never thought that I would be a performer I used to enjoy watching musicals and I liked the technical aspect of watching a theater production the first musical I ever saw was Phantom of the Opera and I was obsessed with mm. how, the, how the boat moved how the chandelier dropped how things yeah. flew in and out of theater and that's what that's what really got me into theater and my love with theater but when I was going through um, pr- uh, primary school and early high school. So that's grade kindergarten to about year seven or eight. Um, okay. All I wanted to be was an engineer. I wanted to um, build roller coasters. I wanted to design theme parks. That that's And that's sort of where the technical love of theatre sort of sparked my interest in it. Um, and it, I actually didn't start singing until I was 14 or 15 um, lessons. Oh. And mm-hmm. I... I only started lessons because I landed – I randomly auditioned for our high school musical production of Into the Woods, and I landed the lead role. And this is such a – yeah, this is such a famous quote. I came home and I told my mum, and she turned around and said to me, you can sing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it was always a bit of a – yeah, it was always a bit of a a weird starting to my performing career. Um, I only did singing as a hobby. I never really – figured that it could become a career for me or lead me down the entertainment path. And it wasn't until um, I was on my first cruise ship contract with Carnival Cruise Lines actually as a social host where my senior teacher called me or I called her one day. Um, back when it used to be the um, the cards and you had to dial the telephone, you didn't have internet or yes, anything yes, like yes, that yes. on the cruise ship. Yeah. Um, Uh and she called me, she's like, I want you to come home and audition for this musical theater school in Singapore. And I've all, like I said, I've always had an interest and a love for watching musical theater, but being a part of like actually doing it as a career was never ever on my radar. And it was, wasn't Mm -hmm. until when I got into that school that I really started to think, okay, maybe this could be something that I could do as a profession.
1: So, so you're, you're growing up in Sydney, correct?
0: Yes. Sydney born and raised.
1: Born and raised in Sydney. So the schooling system out in Sydney is much different than we have here in the United States. Was there any in arts integration at all within your school? Or was it just a strict learning environment with no no arts involved?
0: Um, Sydney is notorious for having more of a emphasis on um sport well not sydney australia more emphasis on sport and it's very unlike it's very rare for you to come across performing arts schools there are performing arts schools out there but they're usually um uh, private schools and i was always Mm -hmm. my mum was a public school teacher so she always insisted that my sister and i go through the public school because it's it was free essentially it's free and it's exactly the same education sometimes that you would get in a private sector so i never got the opportunity to go to a performing arts school um, but within um, primary school and high school, because we only have two stages of school, you've got three, like elementary, middle, and high. I don't know what you guys high school, call yep. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. uh, so we've only got two. We've only got primary and, and high school. And through primary school, obviously, they, they encourage, there's like bands that you can join for extracurriculative curricul- activities. Um, they do painting, they do music in class sometimes, but there's never a really a high focus on it, particularly through the schools that I went through. And then it wasn't until I got to high school when I had two amazing teachers, one a drama teacher and one a music teacher, who were very passionate about performing arts. And that's where I really started to discover music and drama not, uh, when I got into high school, which is um, grade seven through 12 for Australians.
1: Oh, wow. So that's much art our high school is nine through 12 so it's about it's two extra years for you so you're yes. doing these you're experiencing these two teachers um, what's your actual experiences with them what are you finding out about performing arts that you love or don't like
0: I just I just got so much um, guidance and encouragement from them because they gave me the lead role in that musical and I didn't really know that I could I could sing or I could dance or I could act and they just, it was just encouragement that i got from them and they just pushed me to keep going and do everything that i could to get better at at this because obviously they saw something in me um that mm-hmm. i didn't understand there was and they were just so nourishing and like um encouraging to to yeah to push me in into that direction and my mum when i was doing my high school certificate which is what you do at the end of your high school career when you get to grade 12 I wanted to do music as a subject and my mom turned around to me and said, you shouldn't be doing music. You should be doing something else because you only do music if you want to be a music teacher. So even she um, didn't really understand. Um, she wasn't, she wasn't against it. She wasn't like a, you must do like this subject. She was just like giving me her opinion, obviously. Um, and she didn't mm-hmm. really understand it either. And, and like, I, I didn't start singing till I was 14. I played piano from a really young age. So I was, I was, I did have like, musicality within me, but I, again, I didn't really love piano. I just liked it. It was just something to do, you know? Um, yeah. and then when I did do my music and my drama for my HSC, it didn't really lead to anywhere because as soon as I finished high school, I went and did graphic design at college, not mm. university. Cause mm-hmm. we have, we have different levels of university in Australia. It was actually, it's called mm-hmm. TAFE. I did graphic design at TAFE for a year and a half. And then I went to continue singing and I went to um, my first cruise ship contract as a host. And I guess that's sort mm-hmm. of still an entertainment em, entertainment role, even though yeah. I didn't consider it as an entertainment position at the time. Uh, and th- then I, did, I moved to Singapore and did my. I started my degree when I was twenty one. My twenty first birthday was one of the first months that I I spent doing my degree. So I, everything was quite late for me. Everything, I, I it was I wasn't one of the dance mum kids where I was dancing from a really young age. It was all very. I guess you could say organic because my parents didn't force me to do anything. I didn't want to. They just wanted me to enjoy what I was doing. Okay.
1: So did you feel like your parents supported you in your decision to take on this performing arts lifestyle?
0: Oh, absolutely. 100%. My dad was in a okay. band when he was my age. Well, I'm I'm thirty mm-hmm. 32 now. So he was in a band when he was my age and they were doing quite being quite successful. Um, And they have never said to me, no, don't do it. They've always said, either. If, if they didn't like what I was doing, they just say, well, we still support you. We, this is our opinion about it, but we still support you. But they were almost always 99% of the time, 100% supportive of everything that I've done.
1: Mm-hmm. What about the landscape for social interactions with kids, knowing that you're now taking this, um, path to performing arts? What, what were your peers thinking about this? Did you ever face any pushback from them?
0: Um, I was bullied really badly in uh, pretty much my entire schooling career, Um, Mm -hmm. more so in high school and more so because I was involved with um, music and drama and acting, all that kind of stuff. Like I said before, Mm -hmm. in Australia, it's more of a sporting uh, culture, right? It's, It's sport, it's masculinity, it's all that kind of stuff. So being someone that was standing up the front and doing all of these things that people were seeing me for. I was, I was, I was bullied really badly in high school for it. Um, And I only had, had female friends because of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was mainly the the boys of my grade and the grades around me that really gave me a hard time. So it wasn't easy for me to do, to be a part of the entertainment industry in Australia. But that's that's changed now. That's changed a lot now. And you
1: forged on, and you kept going. What what steps did you need to tell yourself, or your, to make you continue on with this, with this I, facing these I mean, these kids?
0: I don't think I did. At the end of high school, I, I stopped. I, I didn't have any passion to go and do anything. But graphic design, as it turned out, mm-hmm. um, so I don't really know if I had any encouragement for anyone specific. I had people around me encouraging me, but. Like, that makes me sound like I was alone. I wasn't. I was very much supported. But it wasn't until mm-hmm. that first cruise ship job with Carnival where I got to watch the shows every night. And I said to myself, I think I want to do that. I think I want to be a part of what's happening up on that stage. And that's sort of probably what gave me my first little nudge in the direction of um, beginning to learn on a more professional scale of how to become a, a singer and a performer.
1: Mm-hmm. What, uh, so you see this stuff on and car- your carnival contract. Uh, so you're now going to school for this in Singapore. Is that correct?
0: Yes, uh, I, I was with Carnival 2007 and I finished in December mm-hmm. of that year. I came home for six months in 2008 and uh, auditioned for the LaSalle, which is in Singapore. Um, didn't find out for quite a while, whether I got in and then July, 2008, I moved to Singapore and I lived there for six years. So I studied, did my degree and then I worked there for two and a half to three years after that.
1: So you, you really didn't get into this at a young, super young age. You only decided, uh, in your twenties that you wanted to do this as, as for a living. What, what changed from graphic design to now
0: performing? I just think I've I've always been interested in in being on stage and musical theatre and singing, and I really enjoyed singing. Um, And Mm -hmm. I really do think it was that seeing those shows on the carnival ship that I worked on that was a a big encouragement because seeing that, I was like, I want to be up there. I want to be up there. How how do I do that? What what do I do to get up there? And my singing teacher was very encouraging, and she – she found this, well, she didn't find the school, but she was involved in this school in Singapore, which was a very good school. Um, and I was lucky enough to get a scholarship to the school. So I think also that probably played a part in it. Um, I don't know. I, it's, I'm, I'm, very, I'm a determined person, but yeah, I'm also absolutely. open to um, different facets of everything. I, I, I want to have so many jobs in my lifetime. I'm no, never going to get the chance to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. but I just, there's so many things that I want to do. And I feel like that's both a detriment to me and, uh, a a good thing for me because it means that I'm, I'm, I'm open to learning lots of things, but I'm very scattered when it comes to knowing what I want to focus on.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so you're in Singapore and you're going to school, um, at a, in deciding to do this at an age a little bit older than a lot of people. Um, what do you think you weren't prepared for?
0: Um I've never been very good academically. And okay. um schools for us in in Australia and in Singapore, because and the UK actually, um, mm-hmm. when we go to university, we don't have to study anything other than what our focus is. So as I understand, in America, you go and do musical theatre, but then you have to do English and you have to do um, science and you have to do something else, right? Is that am I, am I correct?
1: Correct. So you have to do like a general education portion of your degree. So a certain amount of hours that you have to go, like you said, you have to do your math and you have to do your science and you have to do your geography and all of those classes. And that one small portion of your degree is the general education side. And then a bigger portion, like I had for my BFA, I had 80 plus hours in my discipline, but I also graduated with 120 something hours. So in that that other space, you have to do those general educations for sure.
0: Yeah. See, in Australia and in Singapore, where um, which follows the UK um, education system, we don't have any of that. When I went to school, I went and studied musical theatre and everything and every facet to do with musical theatre. I didn't have to do any other general education um, things. So I was studying, um, we had to do music theory. So on a piano, we had to learn piano theory. We had to do singing. We had to do acting. We had to do dancing. We had to do music theatre history. We had to do um, performance practice. We had to do um, acting to a camera. We had to do improvisation. We had to do all or every sort of facet that you had to do with the realm of performing arts and musical theater was our focus. We didn't have to worry about any other side to any sort of academic. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, of course. So you were just, you were in it 100%. You were going to school every single day doing what you want, needed to be doing.
0: Exactly. And I think, um, that was probably the hardest thing. In fact, was having to focus on um, things that I wasn't used to doing. I mean, I, I was only a singer, right? I'd never done a, I'd, I'd done a handful of dance classes before. So I went in and 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 dove headfirst into ballet and tap and jazz and partnering and all this kind of stuff that I'd never done before. And I was never really an actor, and and still to this day, I struggle to get my head around acting. Like I see all these people like being like. All involved in like and techniques and all and all this um, Stanislavski and like improvisation and to, to this day I I still like look at them I'm like in awe because it's like I can't do that when I act I just feel like I'm I'm being a fool on stage sort of in my mind obviously I can yeah. do it because I've I've, I've been employed as it before um, but that's yeah. yeah acting was definitely a, a a struggle for me and as well as dance but everything else you sort of I was sort of had under my belt because I had theory under my belt, I had singing under my belt, and I, I was there to learn, right? And and they encouraged you from a... You, you couldn't be a beginner, but they if you were in a certain aspect of it, they really... At LaSalle, they were very encouraging to, to, to get you up and to build you up and get you better at that certain aspect.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I yeah. mean, you are... I, now hearing your story, it it seems like an aha moment for you because you're completely talented in all of those things—singing and dancing and acting. And I remember seeing you, like you said, and when you were in that other cast, thinking, "Wow, this guy is really good, and he has a handle on all those things." And now knowing that you did it starting at such a young, an older age is um, is inspiring, for mm. sure. Thank you. So you, of course, um, so you're in Singapore. You said you were there. For school, and then you stayed there for two extra years. Is that right?
0: Yep. Um, after I finished at LaSalle, um, mm-hmm. God, I can't remember what year it was. Three years after 2018, 2011, I finished 2011. I landed mm-hmm. a, my first professional job with a company called Millennium Entertainment, and we did a tour, a six week tour to Dubai with two kids' shows. So I did a Bob the Builder show, and I did the Mr. Man and Little Miss show for three weeks mm-hmm. each in dubai um but before i went to that contract um i auditioned for universal studio singapore and while i was ah. over in dubai i landed my first year-long contract with universal studio singapore in the monster rock show that they did there and i mm-hmm. was the character of frankenstein oh okay
1: perfect yeah i have a i have a ton of friends that have done singapore um uh, universal it's 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 kind of like disney they um I really employ a ton of people. What's your experience there in uh, um, Singapore, uh, Universal? Like
0: it was, it was a great experience. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was over Singapore by the, by the end of my, I got a second year long contract with Universal after my first, obviously. Um, and I was sort mm-hmm. of getting over the country by then. Everything was starting to uh, irritate me, whether that was because I was annoyed or upset about leaving the contract. Everything just seemed to start to, just to annoy me. So by the time I left, I didn't want, I never wanted to go back to Singapore. Um, now, just but... for, hold on one second. Just
1: explain to everybody what Singapore is like, because I have just recently in the past five years, have been to Singapore and it's a place that I wanted to go my entire life. But a lot of people have not yet been. Explain what Singapore is like and explain it, maybe comparing it to things in, in America as well.
0: Okay. Uh, so Singapore is, it's a, it's a fantastic city. And I, and mm-hmm. I, I speak of it in a, in a, in a, in a more of a negative way because I, it, it but so that's, that's why I want to phrase that Singapore is a fantastic city and it's a fantastic city yeah. to visit. Um, mm-hmm. However, I find it too sterile and too gotcha. structured for mm-hmm. my uh, for my liking. Um, mm-hmm. You, everything is like sparkling clean, which is a good thing um but they have very strict rules there about everything and and so they should be and that's why they're they're, they're the way they are but Mm -hmm. and that's what i mean by sterile on one level but sterile on the second level is that it doesn't have any personality because everything is so regimented everything is so structured like if you if you ever if you hate standing in queues never ever 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 go to singapore because you queue for everything and um they did this fantastic social experiment when I was living there where they just put up a a red barrier in the middle of the, of the pathway on orchard road, which is the main shopping district. And they got two people to stand in front of that barrier. Um, And an hour later, the line for that barrier that was for nothing that went to nowhere was like 300 meters long because people will just queue for the sake of queuing. And like, even if they so don't know what it is
1: interesting. Yeah. Yes. Isn't that
0: fascinating? And and that's the it kind of mentality they have. They just want to stand in queues and and it's because it's so regimen, They're like, okay, this is where we have to wait. You know, it's, it's a fascinating mm-hmm. society.
1: I remember that very clearly. I, we were, I flew over with the whole cast and we were in Singapore and we had a day, a day experience basically before we joined um to work on the ship. And, we went out and I remember standing in this food hall and waiting in line and I had got my food and I was fine. And then a friend of mine, she was waiting in a different line and it was very long. And all of a sudden the woman in front of her said, Oh, I don't want to be in this line. And she just moved to another line. Yeah. And she had already been waiting 20 minutes in that line. And she was just lining up because people were lining up in that line. It didn't, she didn't want that. She didn't even know what that was. And yep. when she realized it, she moved to another line and waited exponentially that long for something she wasn't sure she wanted either. So it was yep. so fascinating. So when you say that experiment happened, I could totally see that. And those people are regimented like that to, to really um, fall in line and, and, and really uh, assess something about the order that they have there in Singapore
0: yeah so that's what I mean by sterile. it's very it's everything's very regimented. there's no there's no personality in Singapore. Um, mm-hmm. and it's 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 a lovely place to live and and there's so many positive things about it. Like I had a great life while I was there. um but there mm-hmm. are some major things that, that underlie the society of Singapore that I just don't agree I don't agree with.
1: Sure. It's very strict. It's very strict. and even when we are a group of us when we landed and we had a personal guide to get us from the airport to our hotel which was fantastic. He let us in on a lot of things. And I remember thinking, wow, he just is telling us about the things not to do in Singapore. And it kind of deterred us from actually doing anything because we were like, wait, maybe we don't even need to do anything. Granted, this place was, Like the Singapore is beautiful. I mean, that hotel that they have there is incredible. And like all the landscape that they have is Mm -hmm. beautiful. And it feels like you, it feels like a humid South Florida and South Florida is really humid. So (laughs) the temperature is amazing. It's a beautiful place. It just has a lot of rules. And I remember that too as well. Thinking the same exact thing.
0: But having said that, I, gum is illegal in Singapore, but I chewed gum every single day of my life and I lived there and I never, never once got pulled up for it. So,
1: Arrested. you know, they, they, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems strict on some, on some levels, but sometimes I just like, uh, like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm going to turn you into the officials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom, you're working at Universal for a couple of years. What are you doing after that? How are you going to continue your, your journey into um, entertainment?
0: Um, so after Universal, I, I always knew that when I left uh, LaSalle, my dancing was nowhere near as, as good as it should, should have been. Mm-hmm. And I came back to Australia for a little bit. I had a partner who was living in Asia at the time, so I was a little bit back and forth. I spent a lot of time in Jakarta, Indonesia. I spent a lot of time in um, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um and I was coming back to audition for shows and jobs in Australia and I wasn't getting the dance calls. I knew I could um wow the panel if I got the chance to sing, but um mm-hmm. a lot of the time in Australia everyone has to dance first um mm-hmm. because of the way the casting works in Australia. Anyway, so after I left Singapore, I moved back to Australia. So this would be the beginning of end of 2013, beginning of 2014. I Mm -hmm. was at the age of 26 and I decided to um, enroll myself in a full-time dance program, a year long full-time dance program um, to better my dancing skills so that I could get my foot further through the door when it came to professional auditions in Australia.
1: Mm. What are your, what are your parents thinking about all this? um, You're doing a lot of things outside of your country and, Maybe that sounds a little bit foreign for maybe people in America, but what, how are your parents supporting you in all this?
0: My parents were like, off you go. They (laughs) they were very, yeah, hundred percent supportive. Like there, there was no question, question about it. When it comes to education, my parents always said to my sister and I, we have your, we have your back and we will support you through everything that you need to do when it comes to education.
1: Gotcha. So they were, they like, were gung ho and you're, you're going to Asia. You're going all over the world doing these things.
0: Yeah. But I, this, this school that at this full-time school, that dance school that I enrolled in was back mm-hmm. in Sydney.
1: Oh, so fantastic. Um,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I was my first year back at home in 2011 since two, no, 2013 since 2008, actually, to, actually 2006 because I spent all of 2007 in the U S on the first ship. And then from 2008 all the way through to 2013, I was in Asia. So this this was my first full year in the country since 2006.
1: And um, what struggles are you facing now that you're strictly... You've enrolled yourself in a year-long dance school. What struggles are you facing now that you're transitioning into this new realm?
0: Um, It was... It's an elite school. So in Australia, when... um, you leave high school, you can either go to TAFE and do like what I did, graphic design. You can go to university and do, you know, all sorts of of courses or performers can choose to go to these schools called full-time dance schools or full-time schools. Um, And so they are elite performing arts schools. Um, The one that I went to focuses more on commercial dance. Um, So jazz, hip hop, all that kind of stuff, um, JFH. Mm -hmm. but they also did everything they did contemporary they did ballet they did lyrical they did tap they did like it was any kind of facet of dance was focused on this school and it was five days a week it was eight to three or four each day um and four to five classes um each day of different um, different styles of dance so it was a very intense environment which i found difficult because obviously my my dancing skills weren't up to par compared to everyone else around me. So I was I was definitely the um, the underdog in the in the school, not only because of my dancing ability, but also because of my age. Um, the next um, closest person to my age, I think was only 22 and I was 26, 20, 27. But mm. the youngest person in the school was um, 17. And a lot yeah. of them sat around the 17, 18, 19 year old mark. So there was a significant age mm. gap for me being in this school. So I didn't really have any people that I could relate to on a, not that people were immature, but a maturity level that you only get once you've experienced the world a little bit, once you've left high school and once, you know, you've done all that travel and all that kind of stuff. So that was the second barrier that I, that I had going into this school.
1: So you're the grandpa of the group.
0: Definitely. And I was called grandpa Tom. So, <laughs> so
1: there you go. Grandpa Tom in this. What's the, what was the name of the school that you went to?
0: Uh, at the time it was called uh Village Performing Arts the Village Performing Arts Center. Okay. um but it's the it's the same same school now has changed names and now it's uh called Village Nation.
1: Okay. Perfect. I know a lot of great talent comes out of out of Australia specifically and dancers. especially dancers. Yeah. There's with absolutely. the way they train over there it's is it's like remote. And when you see it, you just, I crave to see more of it. They're, they're really strong dancers over there. Um, but you said graphic design is what you did after you left your 12th grade year. Why did you not go back to that?
0: Um, I did in, in a roundabout way. Um, I, it was actually it wasn't graphic design specifically it was digital media so i was doing a lot of things i was doing graphic design i was doing publishing i was doing animation i was doing um business management within that within that um field so again it was another one of those courses where you you focus on uh, it was like a an intense spectrum of just that that part of the of the industry if that makes mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. um so I did go back to it when I was living in Singapore. I, I enrolled myself in an online course to do desktop publishing, which mm-hmm. is sort of like magazine layouts and brochure design mm. and all that kind of stuff. So I attained that um, while I was in Singapore. That was after I did the sale. That was during my universal days. So I, and I've and i always found myself picking up random odd jobs here and there when it comes back to that graphic design thing. But now it's it's come to a point where the programs that you use have updated beyond my capability of, of knowledge. So mm-hmm. if I was to sit back down and, and use Photoshop, for example, I, I wouldn't know what to do because it's so, it's so foreign to me now because I haven't touched in such a long time. I can still do like basic things of like, you know, brochure design and stuff like that, but it, it's, it's not something I do often. Um, yeah. So yeah.
1: I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there for all of it.
0: <laughs> you <Yeah>, definitely. <laughs>
1: Um, But speaking of YouTube and speaking of doing a whole bunch of things, um, you are completely amazing. Like maybe it's your graphic design background, but you're completely amazing in social media. You're an amazing singer, amazing dancer. Tell me what else you're doing. What's going on with Tom's world right now? <laughs>
0: um, so r- after my, I did two consecutive celebrity contracts as a performer. And then I did yes. five vocal director in-store contracts, I think. I was obviously back in Australia between those jobs because they are only a couple of weeks long at a time. And I'm, I was teaching. So I'm still teaching. I teach five days a week at a different performing arts school every day. And mm-hmm. most of it's just singing, straight singing. I have private singing students. And then I do a big group class at a full-time school, actually, not the one that I went to, a different full-time school.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I
0: do like an um, eight-year-old to 13-year-old musical theatre class on a Thursday night for two hours as well. So I'm teaching a lot. And I'm nice. performing with a Frankie Valley tribute band, which I've been with since the beginning of 2017, I think. Um, nice. Yeah. So that's, um, and that's starting to really pick up We we do, we do a lot of LAN gigs here in, um, in uh, local clubs. Like um, we, well, you don't have a local club in, in America. So we have RSL and we have league clubs here in Australia, which is like, um, if there's a big sporting team that's, that's in Australia, like, like a football team, there is a club that's attached to it that, that members oh. of that sporting team can go to for, like, a good meal, a little bit of entertainment. They can, they're, they've got little casinos in them as well, so you can gamble in these clubs. And they're all around um, Australia, um, and we perform inside um, these clubs is the best way I can describe it to you. Um, but just recently mm-hmm. I landed a job with a major Sydney-based radio station uh, called Nova 969 or Nova Sydney, and, and what are you doing
1: there, Tom?
0: I'm part of the breakfast team, um, hmm. but it's sponsored by McCafe, so I'm actually a barista for the the morning breakfast team and all their guests. But I also get to be um, I get to be included in conversation on air and do little segments and stuff with the, with the team, which is which is very exciting and a, and a lot of fun. And this is a a segment or a portion of the entertainment industry that I have always been interested in because I've always been told. You've got a lovely voice. You've got you've, you're great with your vocal tone. You're great with um, being able to put inflection in your voice and and all that kind of stuff. Obviously not now because I'm sick. I sound like I'm <laughs> I've been smoking a thousand cigarettes. My voice is very low and down today. But um, yeah, I've always been told that I have a good voice for radio. And and so when I got this job, I was very excited. And and Nova are a very family orientated company. So once you're in the company, they want to maintain you and they want to nurture you and 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 grow you into whatever part of the company that you're interested in. And at the moment I'm sort of looking at obviously on air, um, but that takes mm-hmm. a long time. So I'm looking more a producing and production side of the, gotcha. of the, of the sh- shows that are uh, produced on the network.
1: Yeah. Um, let's, let's rewind a little bit and discuss Barista and McCafe. Sure. McDonald's in yeah. other countries is not like it is in America. McDonald's McCafe is, I would think, when i was in when i've been in other countries it's very similar to like starbucks you go and you order a coffee and it's amazing it's great they make it how you want it and then done it just so happens yeah. that it's attached to mcdonald's and that's basically what you're doing right you're just making these these uh, custom drinks for everybody in the market. yeah it's
0: it's it's just like <laughs> it's just like a, a starbucks coffee it's um mm-hmm. It's not quite made the same way as America. American um, es- uh, espresso machines are very automated. Um, everything is done for you. Uh, the machines that we use here in Australia are a little bit more hands-on. Um, but McCafe actually started in Melbourne. Um, oh. so, and Yeah, in 1993, it started in Melbourne. So um, the coffee climate and the coffee industry here in Australia is massive because um, Australians are such coffee snobs we call it because we like appreciate good coffee we want good quality coffee every time we go to a cafe so if a cafe doesn't offer that quite often they fail because people people want to have really good nice well made coffee um, I and that's remember something that I, that. I struggled with when i was in the US because all i could get was starbucks and i actually think starbucks is is quite underwhelming
1: i I remember that when I was in Australia, I remember thinking these people go in on coffee. Yeah, like that's where that's where we in America got the flat weight from. Is that, is that all right? Do you guys yep. had the flat, flat white, white forever? Yeah, yeah, and now that's like a. I mean, that's a thing here, but you guys, that's how you guys drank coffee. I remember going over there and people being like, "I want a coffee," and it was a flat white most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> But it was strong. It was great. It was like, I was like, this is coffee on a whole new level. And I thought Italy was amazing for coffee and everything. Yeah. But But, um,
0: funny that you say that it's Italy. It's because of Australia's enormously diverse cultural backgrounds that we have is why we have such a good coffee because we've got the Italians, we've got the Greeks, we've got the Arabics yeah. who do amazing coffee. We've got the Vietnamese do amazing coffee. There's so many amazing cultures that have come here and settled in Australia and have put their little tiny influence onto our coffee culture. And that's, I think that's why we have such an amazing um, coffee experience here in Australia.
1: It's beyond coffee. It's like culinary experiences, drinks. I mean, everything in, in um, Australia is, is superb. I loved every yep. second of it you and i went to this amazing vegan restaurant and it like course after course kept coming and we were just like more inspired by by the dishes yeah. that were coming up
0: yeah
1: um so but you were talking about teaching it sounds like you're doing a lot of that in recently um at what point in your career did you think that you ever wanted to be a teacher
0: i don't <laughs> <laughs> Teaching for me, it it has been a financial aid. Um, Teaching is not something that I want to do forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I do enjoy it. I I enjoy it teaching private lessons when I get students that come to me who actually want to be there and want to learn. I really engage with that. And I love seeing... My student have like an epiphany moment with their voice where they're just like, oh, my goodness, that's that's how you do it. That's what it's supposed to sound like. And that's I really enjoy that. What I don't enjoy about teaching is that I get group classes um, where some some of my students want to be there and some of them just could not care less whatsoever about what's going on. And that makes Mm -hmm. my job really hard because I've got to give attention to everyone, right? I can't just ignore those people. I've got to encourage them. So I find that a little bit soul draining. Um, So teaching is not something that I want to do on a permanent basis, but for now it's, it's paying my bills, it's paying my rent and my mortgage. So like it, that it's, that's why I do it.
1: So uh, I I understand fully. Um, And we, you and I worked together on celebrity on ships and you were a vocal director. What about Mm -hmm this experience did you love
0: as a vocal director correct yeah i think i just liked to help people and Mm -hmm. and i never i never got the experience to to teach a cast from start to finish i always stepped in um through like either halfway or just before the, the rehearsal period or just as they boarded the ship so i never got to fully engage in a cast and teach them from start to finish Mm -hmm. Um, which I would probably find really frustrating because only because I lack, um, oh, what's the word? I lack, um, I lack the, the thought that I'm not good enough to do this job. I, 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 that's what I'm trying to say. Mm. like, I always yeah. thought I was never good enough to teach, teach to that calibre because going through Celebrity with vocal directors and as a vocalist myself, the vocal directors I had were absolutely amazing. They were amazing at playing piano. They were amazing at teaching. And I looked at that and I was like, when I got the job, I was like, I'm never going to be able to be a vocal director like that. So yeah. I prided myself on being a vocal director who was very understanding, who was always there to help, was always there to give um constructive criticism and I and I pride myself in being able to approach people and do it in the correct way and not have my cast completely fall apart or shut down or turn their back on me I was always very proud of myself on being very open and welcoming and I think that's probably the the best part of being a vocal director of celebrity was just helping people and seeing them succeed Mm -hmm. on the stage
1: did you think did you ever in your mind think that vocal directing was just teaching at a professional level
0: Yes, totally, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, because uh, you wish every day to be a walk in the park, but uh, sometimes it's not, and you know, and that's exact. That's what the cards kind of line up for you. Sometimes teaching, sometimes you can go, you know, a whole. 10 hours teaching, you know, every single hour, and it can go amazingly. Or you can teach one hour, and it's like awesome. teaching 10 hours because it's going so poorly. And you really have to evaluate on a daily basis when you're directing how you can better the process for these professionals yep. 100%. every single day. Yeah, I mean, Tom, you do everything. I mean, you've graphic designed, you sing, you've taken years in dance courses. You're teaching. You're a barista. You're on the radio. You're doing voiceover work, which I thank you uh, immensely for my voiceover. If people don't know, you do my, you do my intros and my outros for my podcast, and everybody's like, "Who is that?" I'm like, "That's my friend Tom. He's from Australia, hence the accent." So, I mean, you're you're wonderful. All of them. You're vocal directing. You're singing you're doing so many things um but what people may not know is you do some casting as well on the side
0: i do um i sort of landed in the vocal directing position with celebrity after i um i monitored for um a celebrity audition one year um, and I feel like I did a really good job. I I impressed the panel on on when I was there working, and I made sure that uh, all the bases were covered, and everyone had a ring at, at all times. And um, I'm quite connected with with the industry here in Australia on on that level because I teach and I'm in these schools where these people are learning to 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 get these jobs right. So mm-hmm. when um, our boss Ori um, contacted me to step in and actually be her on the panel for the Australian tour, I I jumped at the chance because I'd never been behind um, a panel before. I've always been on the other side and it's terrifying. Um, um, So I, yeah, I, I jumped at the chance to get the the chance to uh, cast for celebrity and I did it for two audition, maybe three. I can't remember two or three um, audition rounds here in Australia.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, what people understand is uh, we, the headquarters for a lot of places is in the United States. So, you know, it's not like a a day trip to fly over to Australia. It's, it takes a while. I mean, the flight back from Australia, it takes 24 to 36 hours to get Mm -hmm. back to Miami where I live. So it's not like you're going over there all the time. You really have to find those connections with people that are over there that can really scout and do a lot of the, the work for you. And then sometimes you have to just rely on them because you can't get over there and i totally understandable um so you're doing all these things tom um uh, amazing career what do you see tom in 2030 doing
0: (laughs) to be perfectly honest i have no idea at the moment i'm throwing uh, my heart and soul into nova um mm-hmm. i'm actually also studying another degree at the moment um to help support that um i started this degree uh, almost 2 years ago now um mm-hmm. so uh, hopefully that 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 leads me somewhere and and i'm quite happy to to hang up my uh, at least the musical theater dream in fact i have hung up the musical theater dream in australia i've i figured out that it's not something that i want to be a part of and not something that i want to chase um, mm. But if I can mm-hmm. get a job at Nova, um, either working on air or working with an on air team would probably be the main goal because I have things at the moment like the valleys, um, the Frankie Valley band that I'm in that are, that are giving me the opportunity to be on stage and perform. So it's not as if I'm missing out on on that kind of thing. And there will always be avenues like that that I can chase. So, um, yeah, I think that's where I see myself in, in, in 2030 is, is probably working working for Nova or working for a radio station here in Sydney.
1: It sounds like you still want to be in the creative aspect of things, Trissa, in a different oh, portion of your life.
0: Absolutely creative. Um, I, I couldn't. I probably couldn't go to um, like a, a desk job for one. I don't have the skill set because my skill set is is very much creative. Um, mm-hmm. So. I, I do want to remain in the creative field w- where that takes me. I don't know. And I, like I said before, I'm very, I'm a person who's very, very open to multiple things and constantly learning about different things. And, and that, that excites me. So um, yeah, that, I think that's where, where it will take me, hopefully where it will take me.
1: Well, so it sounds like you're, you're making a little transition kind of stepping away from theater and singing and things that you were used to doing before and you had a great career at. So let's do a little top five. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. So like I said, you're making this transition uh, away from singing and dancing. So what are your top five tips or things or tricks that you are using now that you learned in performing that you're taking with you in this uh, career outside of performing?
0: (laughs) Okay, top five. Can you repeat that again?
1: Like some tips or tricks or advice that you're used that you learned in theater, singing, dancing, whatever that that may be that you're taking with you now outside of the, the theater environment.
0: Okay, my f- my first top top one mm-hmm. would be not top one. My first would be <laughs> number two, one. Number number one. One of one of the five would be to diversify yourselves and, diver- mm-hmm. and diversify yourself. So that you are you are multifaceted in as many things within the entertainment industry as you can. Don't just um, don't just want a dancer. Want to be a dancer who can also sing. Want to be a dancer who can also uh, stage manage. Want to be a dancer who can also has a really good eye for finding talented people because then maybe you could go and work in a casting agency because. Because the chances of you just being a dancer are very, very, very slim, right? So you need to be mm-hmm. able to have other things that you can fall on that fall within the entertainment industry. Um, mm-hmm. So that's probably the first thing that I took. The second thing, um, if we're talking about going onto radio, is how to use your voice correctly. And I'm not the the figure model right now, obviously, because I said I was sick, but learn how to look after your voice and be able to perform under any circumstance. Um, sure. I have... I've had a really great teacher and I I haven't been to her in a very long time, but when I was growing up, I had a really great teacher who taught me great technique. So I have yet to experience a moment in my career where I haven't been able to do my job properly purely because I've got good technique. So having um, a solid understanding of your voice and a solid understanding of your technique is probably one of my top fives.
1: And I mean, I feel like that goes hand in hand with like delivering and being able to perform regardless of what it is you know you just ready yourself and you make yourself so practiced and so um efficient that you can do just about anything whatever
0: yes exactly Mm -hmm. um i'd i'd say be um, as another top five be open to no that's too much like diversify um What are
1: some things that you're facing now? Like you're moving in this, another route. What are you, what are some, some challenges that you're facing that you didn't realize you had to, you had to face now that you're maybe not singing all the time or you're not performing or people can't see you.
0: Um, Be willing to let go and, Mm. and understand that letting go of something is okay. And it may hurt and it may be not what you wanted to do, but, I, I'm a full believer in that everyone has a path that's carved out for them, right? And yeah. and this just may be what's on your path. And if it's if something inside of you is instinctually saying it's this is not what you're supposed to be doing, this is not working, I feel like you need to be able to figure that out and and understand it. And when the time comes, just let it go without any resentment for it. Like because everything happens for a reason, right?
1: Yeah. Does it it doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I would say another thing I learned.
1: Or still learning. What are you learning now? Still
0: learning. Yeah. Um, I'm learning a lot of self-drive and motivation, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly through my new degree, because my degree that I'm doing now is online. So I'm having to self-motivate to find the time each day. When I I wake up at 4.30 in the morning to get to work by 5, um, and then I have a couple of hours in the middle of the day break where I'm fighting to stay awake generally because I've woken up so early and then having to go to teach in the afternoon. So there's, it's, it's trying to find that motivation to make sure that you get everything done and to get mm-hmm. all the work done and that can go for, for any any sort of industry like just just be motivated and be willing to self-motivate because you're not always going to get the support from either your family or friends or people around you or work colleagues or people in the industry because our, our industry is very selfish right so you need yep. to be able to self-motivate
1: oh i agree and i noticed m- more I'm finding it more and more now that I started this podcast and some YouTube content that I'm doing. Um, you really have to rely on working and doing it yourself. You don't work it for anybody. Nobody's going to tell you that it has to be done. If if it's not gonna, if you're not gonna do it, it's not gonna. Nobody's gonna hear about it. Nobody's gonna see it. Nobody's gonna exactly. actually experience what you want to be experiencing. So having that drive to. Go through each day and say, hey, listen, I'm going to do this. It doesn't matter if I've slept one hour, 10 hours. If you decided to sleep in one day and you're sleeping 12, 13 hours, get that rest. But then, you know, like, I have to be up. I have this, 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 this to accomplish. And like you said, you still have to teach. You still have to go and do things. You have, you know, life has to keep going on. But you're accountable to yourself to do all these things.
0: Yeah. And I think my, my my top, probably my top answer for this would be to be positive. Mm. even through hard times, even just try and find the positive light. Because if you if you set yourself in a really negative mind frame, it's just going to make you worse and worse and worse. And this is something I always tell my students. I was like, um, go into an audition as a learning experience. Don't go to into audition as I want this job. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't go in and try. I, you should just go in and be like, I'm going to do my absolute best. But if I nothing comes of this, I just learn something from it. That's so, and that's a way of thinking positively of the situation rather than taking, being like, I didn't get the job. I'm going to go and cry and be sad and for, forever, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. I feel like you need to, 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 train your mind to be more of a positive, have a more positive mindset.
1: No. And you're, you're absolutely right. You bring up a really good point, having that positivity because mental health and staying in a, in a really sunshiny place in your, in your whole persona really will help you through day to day because like you said, this career, this environment is not always 100% conducive to positivity. What exactly. you, know, you walk in, you walk into a room and you know, you've been there, you've been on the other side of the table. We both have been on both sides of the table and a, 99% of the time it's a no. Yep. So you, you, and Once you switch over and you're behind the table, you say no to somebody, but you immediately know how that, how that person is going to react. Do you understand the feeling that it's going to be? So, you know, with one word of advice is just find the positivity in all of it, because there's going to be so many times when no is going to happen and you have to turn a no into something way more positive to, to yep. keep yourself going. Exactly. For sure. Oh my gosh, Tom, you do so many things. I mean, I've known you for <laughs> a couple of years and I'm just like I've literally been like jotting down everything and I mean, <laughs> what the difference between Australian and American growing up is completely different and it yeah. always it always um gives me so much more insight when I talk to somebody more in depth like this that I know and even friends we have a lot of people that we hire or that I I used to work for a celebrity that we used to, that used to come in from the UK. Even talking to them, it's, it's a completely different environment. Yep. So what we are all exposed to is completely different. And you guys are on the other side of the world. So it's like, I mean, we're very we're,
0: alone down here. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're, you're very alone down there. So when you find somebody that like comes out and like wants to share their story, I'm all about
0: it. Completely about it.
1: Well, thank you so thank much you
0: for letting me share my story
1: of course thank you so much um just go for it tell me the name of your youtube channel
0: my youtube channel is it's just my name it's uh youtube.com forward slash tom reagan t-o-m-r-a-g-e-n
1: and what kind of content are you producing
0: um, at the at the moment, what's on there is a lot of my performance videos. Um, I, I for a little while I was doing some vlogging and some random challenge videos, but I have a, a new project coming up which I will hopefully have up. Um, well, hopefully by the time this podcast goes up, um, it will it will be it will be up and running. So go and check it out. I'm not going to say too much about it now.
1: Yes, we this is in the beginning of September, so I expect it to be up. I can't wait to see all your content. You're completely way more talented than, than I ever will be. So thank oh, you again. Come on. <laughs> thank you again for coming on and I um I'll talk to you later.
0: Thanks, TJ. Bye. Bye. I,
1: I love you for all of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow Ease Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.